Hello and welcome to Wealth of Knowledge. I'm your host, Antonio Barbera, and today on the show, I'm joined by a couple in their 20s who learned how to establish financial independence and travel the world on a budget, including a seven-month trip in 2019 where they visited all 61 U.S. national parks. Lauren and Stephen Keyes are super savers, investors, travelers, and creators of the Trip of a Lifestyle blog. Based on their experiences traveling to Hawaii for six months, as well as the national parks, and I've asked them to come on to share just how they were able to change their lifestyle without emptying their bank account. Lauren and Steven, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for hey, having us. Thanks for having us on. I'm so excited to hear about how you were able to travel the country on this epic road trip, and, and I hope you can teach someone listening to the show about how they can do the same. So I want to start with asking you to describe your lifestyle and careers before you made this radical change to live on the road. You'd already traveled to to Hawaii for six months in 2015, but then there were a few years there before your National Parks trip happened. So what was was going on during that period? So yeah, uh, after our trip to Hawaii, um, we basically felt kind of re-energized to get back to work full time and save a lot of money because we were really in that mindset beforehand, but just sort of feeling the grind and wanted to take that break. So after we got back from Hawaii, we decided actually to move back to our college town of Gainesville, Florida. Um, It has a pretty low cost of living and we really enjoyed a lot of the stuff that the city has to offer. So we headed back there. Um, And since our Hawaii trip actually ended up not costing us anything, we kind of cash flowed the whole thing in terms of like Uh, doing a little bit of freelance work along the way so that um, the total cost was zero. Um, Our nest egg, you know, was intact. So we were actually able to come back from that trip and buy a small condo in Gainesville for cash. Uh, So we started out with really low expenses, and then we just decided we're going to try to get jobs that pay as well as possible and get right back to saving as hard as possible again. So we spent about two and a half or three years in Gainesville doing that. And that's what sort of led us up to that National Parks trip. So you're already in an excellent position after just a few years to, to take that next trip. So then was there a specific breaking point where you knew you needed to, to make a change or to go on another trip? Did did both of you have that same realization? Did, did one of you have it first and, and have to convince the other one? I'm, I'm curious as to how that conversation went. Yeah, you know, we, we kind of jumped back in, as Stephen said, to full-time work right after Hawaii um, and, you know, kind of grinding it out. And after a couple of years, we definitely felt, um, you know, like we were missing the, the freedom that kind of self-directing your own days like we were in Hawaii, um, we kind of missed that. And so we were like, what can we do next? You know, we had been to a few national parks before um, on various trips um, when we were in Hawaii. And, um, you know, we were like, could we just do all of them? And, you know, we did a little bit of Google Mapsing it and uh, kind of tracking distances. And we're like, seems like we could probably do this in one trip and drive uh, to all the parks that you could drive to anyway. Um, You know, I definitely, personally, I was um, pretty stressed. My job was very uh, high energy and it took a lot of uh, brain power and I was, I was, I was definitely feeling it. Um, Steven was pretty happy with his job, I would say, I think, right? Yeah, (laughs) but you know, going to work every day, five plus days a week, uh, it drains anybody. So we just felt like we needed a break, I think. Being, we were both in like um, salaried positions, so you know, kind of usually when you're in a salaried position, you do end up putting in more than the 40 hours a week, um, and so it just kind of 
snowballs almost when you're, um, you know, working. We were both also working for smaller companies, and so you wear more hats and you take on more responsibilities. And yeah, definitely it, it, it kind of snowballed into like needing a break. And I think I kind of initiated it, but I think the idea to go to the parks was more Steven's idea. And so once you had this idea in place, I suppose at a certain point there was that, uh, listen, I'm going to go tell my boss tomorrow that this that this is happening, that I want to take this this kind of trip. From that moment, how long did it take you uh, to prepare for the trip that you would end up undertaking, this 61 National Park trip? So um, in terms of, like, working things out with our employers, I want to say I gave my boss, like, probably six months of notice, something like that, um, when we had the idea. And I Same ca- for me, actually. I, we both approached our employers like, um, you know, we're, we're planning to take this trip, and it's going to take us about, you know, seven or eight months, something like that. So, you know, we could leave our positions at the company, which is not necessarily what we want to do, or we could work something out where maybe we take some of our responsibilities on the road with us part-time. Both of our jobs involve a lot of stuff that could be done from a computer, and, you know, maybe we just pick back where we left off when we come back. And so my employer was very much game for that. Um, he was happy to have me continue working um, while we were gone. So I worked like 10 to 12 hours a week, something like that, while we were on the trip. And, um, you know, Lauren's employer was open to the idea, like maybe. It wasn't like a hard no. But when it got right down to it, they just kind of wanted to cut her pay uh, like on an hourly basis a little bit for being remote. And the numbers didn't really add up for us. So Lauren just kind of ended up saying, no, thanks. That's okay. I think I'm just going to quit. And then what was the, the process like in, in preparing to, uh, to, take this, to take this big trip? Well, uh, for this trip in particular, one of the things that we were looking to do was keep the costs low. Um, obviously, traveling for you know seven months is a little bit different too than our Hawaii trip, where we you know instead of having an apartment in Florida, we had an apartment in Hawaii, so the costs weren't that different. But obviously, traveling every single day, there are more costs involved. And so the first thing we did was look for a cost-effective way to do that, and we decided on living in a van. Um, and I say that. But, you know, really, we kind of were sleeping in a van, not not living in a van. Uh, we got the <laughs> smallest possible uh, compact cargo van, literally just big enough in the back for a full-size bed, built some storage underneath it, um, literally some planks of wood. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, that was our, our rig for, for the trip. Um, the van that we bought has the best gas mileage in its class, um, and that was really important to us, too. Um, but definitely having the van for our accommodation saved us a lot. I think you did some some numbers on that, Stephen. Um, yeah, I'd say, honestly, having the van versus, like, just getting a hotel every night would save us something like eight or $10,000 over the course of the trip. I honestly don't remember the number anymore, but... We've got a full write-up of, like, the cost breakdown of the trip on our blog, so um, for, for both Hawaii and the National Parks trip, but um, the van was a huge step. So we found the van used. Um, that was kind of the first step. We built out the platform, found a bed. Um, you know, we, we found, like, one of those online cheaper mattress brands. Um, and, you know, from there... Uh, you know, the preparation after that was kind of slow. We we knew where we where we wanted to go, and we kind of planned for going south first, um, staying uh, heading west, going 
um, heading west, staying in the south uh, during winter because we started in January. But um, the weather's a lot different in the rest of the country than in Florida. So we decided <laughs> to not, uh, we had a lot of things change our route. And so we just decided to only be planned out a couple parks in advance. And so that's um, the most planning we did at any time was a few parks in advance. And then Alaska took some additional planning. But other than that, we kind of did it as we went. <laughs> okay. So I, I, I want to step back just for a second. So you got the, let's say the work aspect of it resolved. You have the van, uh, you have your tra- means of travel set up. Uh, the, the route, as you just said, a few spots laid out uh, in advance. What, what were some of the biggest challenges of this pre-work that you had to do? If you had to pick one or two things that were really tough to, to get done. And I'm, I'm saying this because we're trying to you know, tie this in for somebody else listening who wants to take on a similar trip and so far, it sounds pretty good. It sounds very doable. Uh, you did a lot of workarounds, but what would you say would what would you say are some of the tougher things that you really need to make sure that you do correctly before yeah. you know you you take this leap? So I think the key really to this whole thing, and this is sort of what our blog is really all about, um, but it's preparing yourself financially long beforehand. So this national park trip and this whole conversation we're having right now uh, really starts after we were already had a pretty good like nest egg saved up um so our story kind of kind of starts from when we graduated in college and um you know uh at that point i went to grad school lauren took a job as a receptionist we lived in california for a little while and we started to like get interested in investing and in saving money and stuff um and then we end i ended up not finishing that grad program we moved back to florida we moved to orlando and I worked as a public school teacher. And um, during that time, really, is where this sort of all started for us. And uh, the key, I guess, if I were to say to anyone else, was keeping expenses really low and savings rate really high. So, you know, we over the years, we've just sort of engineered our lives so that, um, you know, we're able to save most of the income that comes into our household. So... The ways that we kind of have done that are uh, by sharing one car for the last like seven or eight years between the two of us. I've ridden a bicycle to work every single day. Um, The car that we share is usually only a few thousand dollars. Um, It's like we generally buy our cars pretty well used with the exception of this van that we recently bought for this trip, uh, which we bought used just more expensive than the cars we usually buy. So sharing one vehicle. Uh, we, we always lived in small places. We basically just tried to continue that college lifestyle right out of college into our adult lives where we had actual like full-time salaries, even though they weren't like super crazy salaries. I was a public school teacher. Um, what we found was if, if you're able to like kind of live like a college student and stay happy with that for a little while, um, you can bank so much money that that can have this life-changing effect that allows you the freedom to do these long-term travel things like our six months in Hawaii or our seven months in, in all the national parks. So if I were to give anyone uh, any kind of advice about it, it's really all about setting the foundation for yourself. Um, so our blog is kind of full of a million different tips for how you might do that. Um, and then once you sort of get to that point where you have like this sort of financial backup, this armor on you, I guess, that makes you feel like you can make these kind of choices, at that point, the challenges are probably mostly centered around how to protect yourself from losing what you've you know, accumulated over that period. So for us, that was 
figuring out how to make money on the road. Because we didn't want to go on the trip and then just spend down a whole bunch of money that we had worked for years to save. So rather than spending out of our savings for it, uh, you know, as we mentioned before, we negotiated with our employers and that's going to be hit or miss for everybody, right? So for me, it worked out on this trip and for Lauren, it didn't work out so well. Um, but the other key to that is over the course of our lives, we've tried to always foster skills that are marketable outside of like a traditional job environment. So we've done uh, photography business together for the last, like, I guess, seven or eight years or so as well. Um, so we do that completely independently. I have tutored a lot of students in physics, which was my major in college and what I taught in high school as well. Um, so just doing like independent tutoring, even doing things like buying and selling stuff on eBay, like just all kinds of random stuff that we've sort of cultivated over time as skills that we could do for income if our employers were not game for like a part-time situation while we're on the road. So have, leaving yourself open with options like that, I think is the key. And in terms of budgeting on the road, what was the day-to-day -day like in that sense? In terms of, obviously, you're able to make a little bit of money. How are you hanging on to the money once you had it uh, on a trip like this? Yeah, so, um, again, I think that starting out uh, in a financial position where we already could kind of pay for the entire trip out of pocket if we absolutely had to, that's not what we wanted to do, that gave us the freedom to not have to, like, set a specific budget for every day or every week or live paycheck to paycheck or on the road. The key for us was just continuing that like simple lifestyle and thinking like, hey, how do we save money and spend as little as possible on a day to day basis? Um, so, you know, uh, living like sleeping in the van rather than in, in hotels and stuff is obviously like the number one cost saver for this entire trip, really. Hmm. Um, but also just thinking about small things like, you know, avoiding Avoiding eating at fancy restaurants you may see that cost 20 or 30 bucks a plate. We were mostly eating like, you know, $5 like fast casual type meals or, <laughs> or occasionally we might bust out the little propane burner that we had and make our own food in the back of the van or whatever. Um, but just kind of living that simple lifestyle and realizing, you know, you don't need to pay for entertainment or for anything extraneous um, when you're out on the road because like the world is your playground. Like if you're a national parks pass costs. $80 for two people and that got us into every single national park. What more entertainment do we need? Right? So we really were just paying for the absolute bare essentials while we were out there and we really had no accommodation costs either. The other thing is the condo, which we had paid cash for years ago, we actually rented out the, for the entire time that we were gone as well. So we had another income source from that too. So it's just like a combination of so many different things. And, you know, any one of those things may or may not work for a particular person. But if you can sort of cultivate, you know, 10 different things that add up to make this possible, um, you know, I think that anybody has a shot at doing something like this. And one of the things, too, that, you know, because in life, like our, our approach to our lifestyle in general is focused on... Um, you know, saving more and keeping that savings rate high, we're naturally not high spenders. Um, so kind of bringing that with us whenever we go somewhere, you know, when we were in Hawaii, um, you know, we didn't have to, you know, pay for a snorkeling excursion when we could just get there ourselves because we lived there and we had the time to go and hike down as opposed to being led on a tour. Um, there's different things like that that happen um, 
you know, when you have a longer term travel in general and making it part of your lifestyle where you're not like splurging for this like once in a lifetime, one week trip, it's, it's well, it's your whole lifestyle. And, you know, I wouldn't normally spend, you know, a thousand dollars to go snorkeling. So I'm not going to now either. Um, but there's, you know, that's an example, but there's lots of ways to do that. Um, like in Hawaii, we bought, um, used bicycles so that we could get around the island um, and ha get some exercise. And, you know, instead of buying them new, um, we bought them used. And then we were able to sell them back when we were leaving the island. Um, so we actually kind of recouped that cost in the first place. Um, but that's the kind of the benefit of doing it the way that we did it, where, you know, it's a longer term thing. You can bring your own entertainment. You don't have to pay uh, so much to kind of enjoy that trip. What were some of your favorite stops on these of these 61 parks? So like Death Valley was definitely one of the favorite um, parks for me. Um, uh, we went, we were there in January. It was one of our, one of the first 10 parks we went to. Um, and there's just so many different landscapes within Death Valley. You've got sand dunes and you've got um, painted mountains. And then um, there's Badwater Basin, which is the lowest point in North America. Um, it's these salt flats. And so you hike out, we hiked out, I think it's a couple of miles to get to like kind of the center of them or at least more uh, deeper in where it's fully white on the ground. The ground is just covered in salt. Um, and so at night, uh, it's actually reflective um, because of the starlight. Um, and so you can actually see where you're going. It's dead silent because it's salt flats. There's no vegetation, there's no animals. Um, and so you just have this eerie silence and perfect view of the sky because there's no light pollution. You're in the middle of nowhere. Um, and so Death Valley was, a very unique experience in that way. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, Steven loves uh, Hawaii volcanoes, though. Yeah, Hawaii volcanoes is cool, which uh, we had seen before this National Parks trip because um, when we had lived in Hawaii for six months. But, um, yeah, that, that park is amazing. I, there's an active volcano there, and you can actually see, like, glowing lava. And if you're really lucky and you get there at the right time, which we were not, uh, you can actually directly view flowing lava like right in front of you, but we didn't get to see any of that. So. Both times. When we left in, uh, <laughs> when we lived there, literally the day after we flew home, the lava flow was visible again. I was like, oh, great timing. Um, have to do th trip number three. Yes. And maybe, you'll, uh, <laughs> maybe you'll catch it at the right time. Exactly. So I, I do want to ask, you know, it's, it's obvious that you guys did a lot of things right. You did a lot of small steps correctly you put yourself in a good position what was the help that you used in order to make these decisions did you work with any financial advisor and this is in terms of the picking the right investments uh did you have somebody you know whisper in your about how important it was to buy this condo with cash that you did so i'm curious as to what financial guidance you received if any or if this was just stuff that you learned on your own that you picked up on your own yeah so um it kind of all goes back for us to like right after we had graduated college. And at that point, um, you know, Lauren had started a full time job uh, and I was a graduate student doing like being a TA and stuff. And uh, at that time, we were just starting to get that taste of adulthood, I guess. And so it became sort of immediately important to us, like we need to manage our money correctly because working for money is is hard. It's hard work. Um, so I have to treat that with respect. So, uh, you know, 
I got a little bit interested in investing because uh, we had a, a, we had saved up a little bit of money and we were like, well, maybe we should do something with this. So we went to Chase Bank and spoke with an investment advisor there. And uh, honestly, that was like one of our I mean, it wasn't big in terms of the amount of dollars it cost me, but I, I consider it like one of our biggest financial mistakes because we went and spoke with an investment <laughs> wow. advisor who who works for a commission and they ended up selling us into this like super high fee bond fund that's like actively managed that we really had no business being in whatsoever. And we paid this big commission to him to do it. And uh, it was overall just a really bad mistake. Um, and then shortly after that, you know, uh, we had both been talking about like, hey, you know, if we keep doing investing, uh, eventually, like if you save enough money, your money starts to make money. And like eventually, maybe 10, 20, however many years from now, the investments we have, like the interest from that could actually be paying for our lifestyle. And we could kind of free ourselves from like necessarily having to have full time jobs all the time, stuff like that. So we're really excited by this idea. And one day Lauren uh, was at work and sent me this article by this blogger called Mr. Money Mustache. And uh, so he blogs about financial independence, which is the idea that your investments can pay for your entire lifestyle. And so I got kind of engrossed in that blog and I read like pretty much every post ever. And um, figuring that out really motivated us and seeing that someone else had, had done it. He actually retired when he was 30 years old. And uh, so seeing that someone else had done that really inspired us to get more serious about it. And so I'd say that was kind of the turning point for us um, where uh, we read so much about financial independence and we got really excited about saving. And we already, I mean, it's not like we were spending an exorbitant amount of money, but now we really had the motivation to save and, and a why behind, you know, limiting our spending and investing more. So that was kind of the turning point for us. And I, I wonder, and this is partially about the you know investing in this lifestyle, but also the trip itself. How important was it having a partner in doing this? And would you not recommend this type of strategy to somebody, not necessarily the investment strategy, but the trip uh, to somebody who was doing this by themselves? What were, uh, what were some of the pros, I suppose, of having a partner in this and maybe some of the challenges uh, of it as well? Yeah, so I mean, I think you can break it down into two pieces, right? The before going on a crazy trip like the ones that we did, the setup, right? The financial setup versus being on the trip. So uh, in the setup period, you know, when you're saving money and stuff, it definitely helps to have someone to, to work with, right? I mean, uh, Lauren and I have been together for a long time, since before college even, and so it's helpful to have a partner. You can pool resources and share expenses, live together, you know, go shop at Costco instead of buying, you know, small quantities or whatever it may be. Um, I think a lot of that stuff is available to single people if if they sort of engineer it for themselves. Like, for example, instead of, you know, living with your significant other, obviously you can grab a roommate or two and split costs with them and do the same thing with food or uh, whatever it may be. So I definitely wouldn't say like it's impossible to do what we did financially if you're not like married or in a long-term relationship or something like that. Um, in terms of the trip, in terms of the travel part, uh, again, I, I think that there's pros and cons, right? Like it's it's definitely really helpful um, to have someone with you because one person can be driving while the other person's doing the planning. Like I did like 95% of the driving probably on this trip. And, uh, but Lauren did, I did like, all the planning. Lauren did like 95% of the planning at least. Um, so, you know, 
having two people in the car, one person needs to be focused on the road. The other person can be using that time wisely. So it's not just wasted. Uh, obviously having someone to talk to or someone to do things with or share experiences with travel is way more fun when you have a buddy. It doesn't have to be your girlfriend or your boyfriend or husband or wife. Um, it could be a friend too. I, I definitely think a group of friends could get together and do something similar to what we did. Um, I, but, but it was great doing it with Lauren. So, you know, uh, it without, without, uh, pushing the wrong buttons here, were, were there any challenges of, uh, sort of being stuck in a very small space for, for a long period of time? Um, you know, I think it helps that we're best friends. So we know each other like really deeply. We're not, you know, newlyweds. We've been together for a while. Um, and so I think that really helps, um, you know, of course there's going to be, you know, little, like they're like hangnail style problems that come up be like oh steven missed the exit that i told him about already like you know but that's <laughs> or you forgot to tell me about that and you know both of us you know we each there are times where we're where one of us is at fault the other one isn't whatever we're both at fault and you just have to laugh about it and the the beauty of being on these longer term trips is like it doesn't matter we'll get off at the next exit turn around come back it's fine um and that's one of the things that was, you know, has been really great uh, travel-wise is just being able to take it, um, you know, day by day and really be adaptable to like, oh, you know, we actually want to spend more time in this park. And that's part of why planning too far in advance wasn't very wise. Right. Um, you know, we got to be more flexible and say, you know, hey, let's stay and do some night photography. These rocks are really cool and they would look great with some stars. Like, you know, and then another thing that really helped, I think, is having uh, goals together. So one of the goals that we had, you know, Stephen mentioned that we do photography on the side, but um, one of the goals we had was to come away with one great image from each park. Well, that takes like some planning. Well, usually when we got to the parks, I would get behind the wheel and Stephen would, um, you know, have his eye out. I'm a little more like observant. So even when driving, I can be like, hey, look, there's a porcupine. Um, and, uh, you know, we would stop and plan things together and, you know, kind of working toward that goal at the same time, um, you know, gave us something to collaborate on and to be excited about and to feel like you're still accomplishing something every day, even though, um, you know, we're not at work or what have you, you know, there's a lot of um, enjoyment you get as a human being from just like accomplishing goals. And so having shared goals together, um, does, you know, impact our overall enjoyment of life and also on the trip. It wasn't just like, let's have a good time and go to the parks. Like let's set a goal and go to all 61 and also take pictures and, you know, also start this blog. <laughs> That's incredible. So I, I do want to ask one more time, I feel like I may have skimped over it a little bit, but the the working that you just touched on, this part-time work that you were able to do, those you, you said, Stephen, that you got down to about 10 to 12 hours of part-time work. Is that correct? Yeah. In, in teaching and tutoring. How, was, how were you able to implement that time into the trip? I, I think a lot of people listening to this trying to replicate this type of trip are going to have to be doing some part-time work, in most cases, have a little bit of income while traveling. So I'm curious as to how you in terms of scheduling, in terms of how much you could do consistently, the tools that you used to have at least a part-time job aside from this like photography work that you guys touched on? Yeah, sure. So I think that like one of the coolest things about going on this trip, one of the things that we both learned was that uh, when you have only you know 10 or 12 hours a week of work or whatever it may be, um, not a full-time job, 
and you're doing really fun and exciting stuff every other day, the work is almost welcomed into your life. Like instead of dreading going to work and dreading getting done what you need to do, uh, we were excited for the days that we would take to just kind of sit at, we would usually go to like a Starbucks or like a Target cafe or like just someplace to hang Any out that had Wi-Fi, <laughs> coffee shop or something. And we would just sit and we would, we would literally sit for a full eight or 10 hour workday sometimes and just get stuff done. And normally, you know, you would dread sitting in one place and just being on a computer all day. But when what you're doing is exploring the national parks every other day of the week, it really just came as a welcome part of life. And so I think that like one of the things that we want to let other people know about is if you can sort of get your financial situation to a point where part-time work does the trick for you, that you might actually like work better in general, right? So if you're not filling five or six days a week with work, you're not going to dread it as much. And actually it feels really good to sit down and be productive and do something that you need, you know you need to do. So what are you guys uh, doing currently? You're back in Florida, spending some some time at the home base. Do you have other travel plans coming up? Yeah, um, I mean, so we thought that this trip would be a lot more like our Hawaii trip, where we would come back and we'd be really re-energized to just get back to full-time work and grind <laughs> it out and save even more money and level up and all that stuff. Um, this time has been a little bit different. Uh, I am working full-time again. Um, and I like my I'm job. I, I, <laughs> I, I like my job. I like the place I work. I have no problems with it. Uh, but I think we're both starting to realize that we're just getting to a point where um, the lifestyle we kind of crafted for ourselves on the road is is more appealing to us than sitting in one place and working full time. And, and we have diligently saved for so many years. And we managed to do these long-term travel things without touching those savings. So they've been intact the whole time and growing even, you know, as, as the stock market goes up and all that stuff. So we're kind of in a position now where it's like, why, why exactly are we thinking about doing full-time work again? Like, why, why do we need to go back to that? So we don't really have any specific travel plans or what we're going to do next exactly. But um, Lauren has kind of shifted she didn't take another full-time job when we got back. She sort of shifted to, I, I call it like full-time freelance. She works for like a few different companies, just doing little things um, on contract. It's about part-time. It, yeah, it's it's part-time. And, and and I work full-time right now, but I'm sort of trying to downshift my job again to, to be part-time going forward from this point, you know, indefinitely. Um, and instead of, you know, jumping back on the road and going to some exotic places again, what we're just trying to focus on, at least for right now, is realizing we live in Florida. A lot of people come to Florida to vacation. There must be something good about it, even though we take it for granted because we've lived here since we were born. There must be something good about it. So, so let's go ex- explore Florida a little bit more and uh, enjoy all the really cool stuff that our own state has to offer. So we're trying to not take our home state for granted. I think that's something that people automatically do. So wherever you were born, uh, you're going to be a little bit cynical about it and think it has nothing to offer. But that's just not true. Like, there's definitely lots of cool stuff in Florida. Why don't we go out every day and explore it as if it were a new place, like a national park or like Hawaii? Why do we treat Florida so differently? It's just because that's where we're from. So we're trying to appreciate our hometown and our home state a lot more for the next six months or a year or however long and see where it goes from there. What happened was the the trip lifestyle worked too well and we we didn't 
you know, when we were on the trip, we definitely anticipated coming back. You know, Stephen had a deal to come back full time, and I anticipated taking another job as well when we got back. But it just, we're in a position now where it works and um, we're wanting to enjoy life a little bit more and take take the time for for ourselves and like Stephen said exploring Florida is um high on the list because we've kind of put it put it off and said like let's go anywhere else (laughs) I mean I I get that you know I'm not from DC but our office here is located in DC and a lot of people here we work here live here for five to ten years and then they move and they sort of forgot to see all those things that everybody else travels to Washington DC to see so I, I absolutely understand that and yes, people do go to Florida to vacation because it's warm there all the time, and, and people enjoy, people enjoy that. Uh, yes. As we finish up here, uh, I'm I'm curious as to what your sort of last bit of advice is for somebody in terms of phase one to to live this sort of lifestyle. What is your first of first tip to sort of get the ball rolling for for that person? Yeah, I I mean I think the the hardest part is phase one for sure. We we sort of started this conversation already in, you know, phase 10 or whatever where we're taking this national parks trip, but going back to when we just graduated college and stuff, um I think that really the the key is uh realizing making like a mind mindset shift early on in life that money is good for two different things, right? You can buy stuff with money, and that's like the obvious thing that we all know about. But the other option that you have with money is to buy yourself some freedom, to invest that money and to give yourself options for the future, right? By hanging on to it and letting that money work for you. So um, my advice to anyone that's sort of like early on in the financial building process is make that mind shift change, you know, like... um, on a day-to-day basis, you might feel like trying to save money, you're always making sacrifices and things, like you're giving stuff up to try to save money. But once you make that mind shift change that you're making a choice with your money to buy something that you want more than the stuff that you're giving up, which is freedom, um, you know, that really helps you uh, get motivated to do what you need to do, right? So uh, I don't know, if you're sitting at home and you're wondering like, I don't really feel like cooking. Maybe I'll order a pizza or something like that. But you have food in the refrigerator. You know, if you view money as something that's only good for buying stuff, it's a no-brainer. You're like, well, I have enough money to order a pizza. Might as well order a pizza, right? But if you try to think about that choice as like, hey, I could order a pizza or I could make the food that's sitting in my fridge and I could take that little bit of extra money and invest it. And if I make a similar choice every day from here on out, you know, happily with a smile on my face because I know I'm doing that for a better future, um, then eventually I'm going to wind up in a position where I just have these crazy options that other people around me don't have. And so, I don't know, making that mind shift change is actually more important than any specific, like, tips that I could give on how to save money. But the tips are important, too. Our blog is full of them. Um, I mean, we, we write an article a week or so all about different things you can do to save money or make extra money. And so I really hope people will check that out and try to make those changes for themselves and um, hopefully see themselves doing something similar to what we're doing or maybe something completely different that's even cooler. Everyone's situation is different. So it's important whenever you're reading any kind of advan- reading or listening to any kind of financial advice to kind of, you know, figure out what works for you and kind of adapt um, you know, suggestions that you hear for 
what works for you. If it doesn't work for you, you're not going to stick with it. Um, it's kind of like a diet. If you, you know, are miserable in it or you can't commit to it, it's not going to work out. Um, you may develop like bad habits in the process. So, um, the same kind of goes for your, for your money as well as, you know, like Steven said, kind of having a different approach to it, just seeing it as, um, a tool that can do more for you, um, than just, you know, buying a new pair of shoes or something like that, um, really does kind of impact the choices that you make, uh, on a day-to-day basis. And then again, like that snowballs and turns into a much larger effect over time. Lauren and Stephen, thank you both for taking the time to, to come on the show. Good luck to you both. And uh, I was going to say, hope to see you out on the road somewhere, but I hope to see you on a beach in <laughs> Florida somewhere, probably. Definitely. Yep. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners. Please subscribe to our podcast, rate it, comment on it. And if you have finance questions related to personal finance, investing, or travel you'd like answered on future shows, please email wealthofknowledge at usnews.com. We'll review your emails and we'll try to answer a few on the next episode. Finally, for more advice on budgeting, saving, and investing, check out money.usnews.com. Thanks for listening to Wealth of Knowledge. I'm Antonio Barbera. See you next week.